take care of a couple of uh, orders of business this morning. It's always good to introduce to you a newly married couple for the first time in church. Max and Bree Gamby, you're up here. If you'll wave at us, congratulations. Good to see you guys. Yes. Uh, we had a fun wedding last week. Didn't rain. Uh, beautiful place. Hopkins Forest Stations. What's it called? Hopkins Demonstration Forest. I got it. I never got it right. But it, it's a beautiful place. You, some, you been there? You guys been there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the people who live in Oregon City know that. You know, when you live here forever, you forget to go to the fun places. But that, that was really neat. We're working through a series this morning. Uh, Heidi mentioned it from Max Lucado called Unshakable Hope. And here's what I'm starting to discover uh, the more I get into this series. We've had a, a small group meeting already. We watched a video from Max Lucado, great speaker, uh, brilliant uh, author. He's just a great, great guy. The Lord has blessed us with his uh, abilities and his presence. I'm starting to sense again that when, when, we, when we're reminded of, his, of God's unshakable hope, it's got to do one of two things. You're going to see it this morning. We're going to talk about Elijah in 1 Kings 18. But and I don't want to sound too drastic, but I feel like you're, it's either going to force you to follow God completely or not follow. Because there's really no other choice. And, you know, it's not like I'm sitting here giving you this drastic, dramatic thought, but I want you to realize that, that that's how unshakable hope affects us. Because as we go through life, and as you experience life, and you experience things in your life, and you experience great things, you experience medium things, and you experience difficult things, it's that unshakable hope that reminds us of the passion that we can have for Him to see Him at work in our lives. You're not going to hear me say this morning that once you come to know Jesus, all your problems are going to be solved. I think I told you that before. I think my wife prayed that, and then she married me. That, that doesn't really work. Um, I'm not going to tell you this morning that once you come to know Jesus, he's going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination with wealth and all the things that come with it. What I can tell you today, though, is that he's given us each this unshakable hope because he's made us exactly the way we're supposed to, and then as we experience him, we'll, we'll, we'll have the most amazing life we could ever have. And, and sometimes we forget that. So just in a, on a personal note this morning, as I start our message on your, your prayers have power, um, what it's done for me is it's just reminded me of what God has in store for us as a church in this community and what he wants us to do. And, and more than anything, we talked last week about we're stamped in his image and we're good because he made us good. And so as we step out into the world, we got a great privilege and an opportunity to share with the, those closest to us, those in our circle and those that are just that we influence once in a while just to share that love. One, one more thing before I go into the message and this is not the time to go off because I've got a lot of stuff to get to. We had a men's breakfast yesterday, and it was fun. We, uh, we set it up. We had a, a, a group of guys that are real passionate about uh, the men and what we're doing. And, and, and i got to share one little fun thing that happened in our, in our men's breakfast. When, when we went to sit down, we had a speaker. We had the famous Dick Schaefer who's not here today. He's with his family. But as soon as he sat down, the Holy Spirit just came into that room. And I love being a part of those times in my life. The minute, the minute he started speaking, he started crying. Dick's not an emotional guy. And I know that some of the guys were there, and some of you were here, you were sitting in that room, and you were just kind of, but I'm telling you that, that um, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, and when he starts speaking to you, he's got a, a message for you. So Clay shared something the Lord laid on his heart. If you're here the first time, that's the first time we've ever had kind of a, a proclamation. Come back. I want to hear more. It's not something we do every week, but I love it. But as Dick began to share 
I looked at the, the 16 or 17 guys around this room and I thought, we're here for a reason today. I feel like when the Holy Spirit talks to us, he illuminates the things in our lives. And I feel like that's what unshakable hope is doing right now for us as a church. If you haven't become a part of a small group, you still can. We do a different video every week. We're doing seven of them. So if it's one of those things you go, man, I'm going to commit to a small group. Am I in it for the rest of my life? Yes, you are. No, you, you don't have to be. But you can be a part of a, a group that's really exciting. And, and for seven weeks, we're going to talk about unshakable hope. But, but this morning, I guess what I want you to think about is the fact that this hope is, a, is an interesting topic. In fact, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says, um, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the thing that stands out to me about that is we major in faith. We have statements of faith in our church. If you want to get hired by a church, you have to adhere to their statement of faith. You have to agree with it. We talk a lot about faith. It's a great starting to point to Christianity. We point to faith and say, you're going to believe in God, and that's where you start. We talk about love. We major in love. We sing about it. We talk about it. We pray about it. We practice it. We fill libraries, libraries with books about love. But few talk about hope. It's funny how it's extremely important, but sort of shoved aside. It's kind of like we talk about faith, we talk about love, and we forget about hope. And I found this out of Ray Johnston's hope quote. He said, no wonder so many of God's people are faithful, caring, and yet deeply discouraged. I wrote some things on the screen for you this morning from Ray Johnson out of hope quote, and I like him because it just kind of reminds us. He repeats himself, but he gets us fired up. He says, hope liberates. Hope unleashes compassion. Hope encourages people. Hope motivates. And then he goes on to say, hope helps people attempt new things. Hope motivates people to find new strength. Hope propels people forward even when it seems impossible. Then he finishes this one by saying, hope is not just a feeling of emotion. It can be a state of mind, of being. And I want, to, I want you to catch that this morning because there are so many times where we just get lost in the, the drudgery of life and the things that are going on. My question to you this morning, which is the same question to me, is what are we hoping for? What do we wake up every day? And, and man, we, if we had time this morning, we'd go across this room and we would talk about the things we're hoping for. Some of us are hoping for the salvation of family members. We're hoping of, of a, a country that comes to know Jesus and, and politicians who will close their mouths and people who will see the ability to just understand Jesus' love. That's all I'm going to say about that, and you can go wherever you want. But we begin to see that, that it's just that, that idea. I spent this week reminding myself that I'm an image of God. I'm a, I'm a bearer. I'm an image bearer of God. And you know what? I want to enjoy that. I want to be in a position in my life where I realize God stamped me with his image. And as I step out into the world, in a joyful way, I want to be able to proclaim that. Last week in my sermon, I asked you to check with me about something. Anybody remember what I asked you to, that you were supposed to ask me if I did this week? Did I follow up with that guy? Laura, you get a gold star or whatever you as a teacher get. I don't have any money for you. Hey, Monday. I, I told the church to hold me accountable because I'm, I'm stamped with his image. And I had tried five times to find this guy. And Monday I found him. Had a great talk with him. It's just something that, that hope helps us kind of, we, we had a chance to share a little bit and find out what hope means. Rick Warren labels discouragement as the, he labels discouragement as the disease of discouragement. And I, I listed four things and then uh, Lucado added one. First one is, discouragement is a universal disease. And I wrote here, we all get it. How does that make us feel this morning? Better that we know others get discouraged because misery loves company? Or does it mean very little because some of us simply think that no one else has it as bad as we do? Discouragement happens, and we need to accept it, but we can't get buried by it. 
The second thing that Rick Warren says is discouragement is a repeating disease. You can catch it more than once. How does it make you feel this morning? Better because you figured you never really got over the first bout, so it just kind of repeats itself, or you revel in the fact that you can wallow in your misery. Well, it's the thing that keeps going, so I can just be miserable all the time. The third one he says is discouragement is a contagious disease. You can catch it from discouraging people. How does that make you feel this morning? Basically, in this world, and you and I already know this, there are two kinds of people, those who build people up and those who tear people down. It can get discouraged to hang out with those who are always tearing others down. Number four, discouragement is always circumstantial. This, again, is Rick Warren. It always has a cause, and I wrote, how does that make you feel? Sometimes discouraging things just pop out, up out of nowhere, and it's up to us to determine how we deal with it. It boils down to three sources, circumstances, other people, and me. Lucato adds one to this list. He says this, discouragement is deadly. It kills. Discouragement precedes destruction. I want to talk this morning about five areas of prayer. And I want you to think about the fact that as we have unshakable hope, our prayers have power. And, and I, I don't say that lightly this morning. Let me, just, let me just share something with you today as a pastor. Sometimes you, you can wake up in the morning as a minister and go, they've heard everything. The people that walk in the door, they've heard it all. They know the scripture verse, they know the concept, they know the promise. And that's where the enemy goes, so what are you preaching for? Just, you know, get done and have a quick closing prayer and have some good refreshments out in the foyer that, that have been greatly prepared. And it reminds me today that, that when we look at that unshakable hope he gives us, there's a principle today that I believe the Holy Spirit wants all of us to catch a hold of, and that is your prayers have power. And sometimes we forget that because we see so many things that don't happen, and we pray and we ask God to answer things, and he just doesn't seem to do it. So I, I, again, as we're working through this series, Lakato talks about some things. I've read some things out of his book and came up with these five different t- types of prayer. The first one I want to talk to you about this morning is prayers of action. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We see that in the last part of the 16th verse of James 5. Our prayers impact the very actions of God. And this is a tough one for me to grasp a hold of. Because when I focus on hope, I feel like I can pray boldly. And when I don't, I get a little bit discouraged, and I don't really pray with boldness. And I want you to catch today in this area of hope that he's asking us to pray with this incredible, hopeful power that he gives us. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are stamped with his image. We are chosen people belonging to God, that we can declare his, the praises of him who's called us out of darkness. When I was in seminary, we lived in an apartment complex right behind, it used to be called Immer Oswald Volvo. If you remember that, that's a long time ago. That, that dates me a little bit. But as we lived there, there were four seminary students who lived there. I was single at the time, and the other three were couples. And, and one of the, the families in the, the, the apartment complex knew we were all seminary students, and they had a, a graveside service. And this kind of relates to hope. And my first experience, I was about, I think I was 22 years old at the time. And so as I looked at the people, I, I wasn't at that point in life going, man, I want to do this graveside service. They're, they're challenging. I mean, you know, you, you just have to deal with emotions and everything, and I hadn't really done very many of them. But I knew there was one guy in the, in the complex that shouldn't do it. And lo and behold, he was the one that was picked. So we sit around in this little canopy. It was raining out, which is just a, to me, if you're going to have a a depressing funeral service, it's going to rain. 
And it was just raining, and we were sitting there underneath this canopy, and, and I looked around, and the entire group of people had absolutely no hope because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. So at 22 years of age, I thought, man, what are you going to do? And the guy who was chosen to do the service, he, he just choked. He was so nervous, he didn't really know what to do, and so I just prayed, Lord, somehow give these people a sense of the hope that comes in you, and even through the prayers, just give them a chance to, to realize that there's something they can do. And It was funny, because we got done, and I was affected by the look in those people's eyes about not having hope. And I share that with you this morning because our prayers of action can give us the ability to pray for people who need a relationship with him, and we can see it happening so they can have hope. The funny thing is when we get done with the service, what, what do you say? I mean, it was a difficult service. It's, it's kind of like when you guys walk out after I preach on a Sunday morning, you go, hey, good message. So I, I looked at the guy and I went, uh, hey, you know, good thought. Oh, he said, I was phenomenal. He goes, I was great. He said, I couldn't have done better. And I walked away and said, man, he's either full of hope He's overconfident, or I don't know, but it was pretty interesting. I, just, I, never, I will never forget that. But the thing that stood out to me that day was 30 people without hope, and we have the chance to share Jesus with them. Romans eight seventeen says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. As heirs, we have an influence. We have the ability to pray with power. We have this ability to connect to God, and as we pray, things make a difference, and it brings hope. The second thing I see this morning are prayers of acknowledgement, and it's important. Psalm 66, 19, and 20 says this. These verses say, But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. What great words of hope. That's what he gives us. John 9, 31, I put it on the screen. Uh, actually, I, I'm going to read it in a second, but it says, we, do, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. There's, there's these prayers of uh, acknowledgement. He listens to us. He knows us. He recognizes us. He loves us. And that gives us the ability to pray with power. 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I'm catching that hope all over. I want that passion. I want that joy. I want to be able to say as I pray, and, and I'm, I'm standing before you this morning realizing that it's, it's an early hour, but I want you to catch the significance of this hope that he wants to give us and this power that he wants to give us in our prayers. And I also realize that my music stand keeps going down. Everybody caught that already? I've already raised it three times, and now it's down there. Just a little thought. I want to make sure you were tracking with me. Okay. According to his will means we know his will. Did you catch that? We know his will. And as we know his will, that means we spend time with him. That means he's a top priority for us. That means I wake up in the morning and I'm talking to God. And I'm saying, hey, what's going on today, God? Where do we want to go? What do you want to accomplish? Who do I need to reach out to? We know his will. I would challenge you to take a piece of paper and write down what you think God's will is for your life, right? This is his will for my life. This is not his will for my life. And, and as you begin to see these things, you begin to see specific answers of prayer. You begin to see specific answers of prayer for this is not his will for my life and the ways he's closed doors. And some of you have amazing stories about right up to the very point of seeing a miracle happen and it, everything changes. We need to know our, 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 his will. The third thing I see this morning are prayers of acceptance. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, again, I tell you that if two are of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you in, in, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. When we pray and seek God's will, heaven responds. It's prayers of acceptance. It's a great promise. Again, it's grounded on hope. John 16, 24 says, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. 
ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Hope comes from being accepted by God, asking his name, believing he is listening, knowing. The fourth thing I see this morning, prayers of authority. When we pray, we join with him in governing the universe as ambassadors of Christ. Have you ever thought about that? You and I are ambassadors of Christ. We have the ability to pray. We have this authority. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, he, he, be reconciled to God. And Ephesians 2.6 says this, And God raised up us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Can you view yourself this morning as a prayer warrior with authority? I'm watching the generations continually go to heaven. And I'm watching the priorities of the generations that continually go to heaven. And I'm seeing some incredible prayer warriors in heaven. And my prayer here is that the generations behind, myself included, will understand the, the importance of having powerful prayers and continuing that ability on. My mom's 92. She prays every day. She's got a list. When I go home, I, I look at that list. I'm so impressed. But she just told me that the Lord has impressed her to pray for our country leaders again every day, the leaders of our country. And that's a great reminder. We, our prayers, have power. I can with hope. With God, you and I can make a difference, and that makes a difference. I want to finish this morning with two, two kind of illustrations, and the first one is, and I called it prayers of authenticity. And it comes out of 1 Kings 18, and it's, it's a, a story about Elijah. It's a very familiar story. I, I call it Elijah and the, the prophets of Baal. And if you remember with me, Elijah was a, a, a prophet who just had this ability to be bold. And when, when God worked in his life, he, he, God put these prophets at a time in the nation of Israel's, they needed them for specific messages. And so here's Israel. They've aligned themselves with some false teaching. They've allowed some things to convince them that what they're doing and how they're living and what they're saying and who they're connected with is okay. And suddenly God speaks to Elijah and says, you got to talk to you got to talk to Ahab, and you got to talk to the people around here, and you got to step up and boldly, you got to make a proclamation for God. So he prays about no rain coming, and suddenly there's a drought. And as that drought happens, he, he realizes that he's put himself in a position, and I don't have time this morning because I want to finish with this, this story that I really got out of Lakeva's book that I, I want you to, I want it to speak to you, but I want, you, I want to remind you of um, prayers of authenticity. Elijah provides an example of prayer from an ordinary person. He says to this group of prophets of Baal, he says, you build an altar, and I'm going to build an altar. You put your sacrifices in an altar, I'm going to put my sacrifices on this altar. If it's all or nothing, either, you're going to, either my God is going to show you his power, or your God is going to show me his power. Are you that brave today? Are you willing to step into this society and say, my God is more powerful than anything? And not in an annoying way, just, just be willing to say, hey, I'm here for you. And, and maybe you, you don't have the tone that I do this morning. Maybe you can go, hey, you know, my God is, is awesome. He can provide. Or you can go, my God's awesome. So let's find out. So they, they put the altars up, and you remember the story. It's a very familiar story. Read 1 Kings 18 today, uh, right before the, the Packers game. I know you're going to watch the Packers game and cheer for my team, but right before then, read 1 Kings 18. And you begin to see that, that what happens is it's the all or nothing that pops up. That's unshakable hope. That's our prayers with power. Real quickly, remind me, you remember what happened? Prophets of Baal are crying out to their God, little G, and nothing happens. There's no fire. There's no, nothing's happening around this altar. There's 450 of them there. 
Here's Elijah, and he knows his prophets are hidden in a cave because Jezebel, the evil queen, is trying to kill him. So he's all by himself. He's got a few helpers. When he prays, oh my goodness, the place just disappears in fire. He pours water in there. He, he, he soaks everything down, the very thing you're not supposed to do, because he prayed boldly. I want to share this story this morning, and it's a long one, so I'm going to try to get it done. And I want, I want to finish with you because it's, it's a, a story that Locato shares about a guy by the name of Dimitri. I'm just going to start, and, and I see stories, you read stories, you hear about them all the time, and you go right away, you start to hear the beginning of the story, and you go, well, I know how it's going to end. This one ends kind of cool. I hope you catch it. A dramatic illustration of this promise, as far as praying powerfully, is found among the Christians of Russia. For eight decades of the 20th century, Christians in Russia experienced systematic persecution from the communist government. School teachers would hold up a Bible and ask kindergarten students if they had seen such a book in their homes. If a student said yes, a government official would visit the family. Pastors and lay people were imprisoned, never to be heard from again. The government required pastors to visit their offices once a week to report on any new visitors. Pastors were required to present sermon topics for approval. This was the world in which a man named Dmitri practiced his faith. He and his family lived in a small village four hours from Moscow. The nearest church was a three-day walk, making it impossible for them to attend church more than twice a year. Dmitri began to teach his family Bible stories and verses. Neighbors got wind of the lessons and wanted to participate. When the group grew to 25 people, officials took notice and demanded he stop. He refused. When the group reached 50 people, Dimitri was demissed from his factory job, his wife was fired from her teaching position, and his sons were expelled from school. Still, he continued. When the gathering increased to 75 people, there wasn't enough room in his house. Villagers squeezed into every available corner and closed in around the windows so they might listen to this man of God teach. One night, a group of soldiers burst into the gathering. A soldier grabbed Dimitri and slapped him back and forth across the face. He then warned Dimitri to stop or something worse would happen to him. As the officer turned to leave, a small grandmother stepped in his path and waved a finger in his face. You have laid hands on a man of God and you will not survive. Within two days, the officer was dead from a heart attack. The fear of God spread and 150 people showed up for the next house meeting. Dimitri was arrested and sentenced to prison for 17 years. His jail, cell was so, his jail cell was so small that he needed only one step to reach each wall. He was, one of the only, he was the only believer among 1,500 prisoners. The officials tortured him. And the prisoners mocked him, but he never, he never broke. Each morning at daybreak, Dimitri stood by his bed, faced eastward, raised his arms to God, and sang a song of praise. Other prisoners would jeer. Still, he sang. Whenever he found a scrap of paper, he scribbled down a verse of story from memory, or a story from memory. When the paper was completely filled, he took to the corner of his cell. He took it to the corner of his cell and affixed it to a damp pillar as a sacrifice to Jesus. Officials routinely spotted the papers, removed them, and beat Dimitri. Still, he worshipped. This went on for 17 years. On only one occasion did he nearly recant his faith. Guards convinced him that his wife had been murdered and his children were wards of the state. The thought was more than Dimitri could bear. He agreed to renounce his faith in Christ. The guards told him that they would return the next day with a document. All he had to do was sign it, and he would be released. The officials were sure of their victory. What they did not know was that when believing people pray, great things happen. Believing people were praying for Dimitri. A thousand kilometers away that night, his family sensed a special burden to pray for him. They knelt in a circle and interceded passionately for his protection. Miraculously, the Lord allowed Dimitri to hear the voices of his loved ones as they prayed. 
He knew they were safe. The next morning when the guards came for his signature, they saw a renewed man. His face was calm and his eyes were resolute. I am not signing anything, he told them. In the night, God let me hear the voices of my wife and my children and my brother praying for him. You lied to me. I know that my wife is alive and physically well. I know that my sons are with her. I also know that they are all still in Christ. So I'm not signing anything. The officials beat him and threatened to execute him, but Dimitri, his resolve only increased. He still worshiped in the mornings and posted verses on the pillar. Finally, the authorities had all they could take. They dragged Dimitri from his cell through the corridor in the center of the prison toward the place of execution, as they did. 1,500 criminals raised their hands and began to sing the song of praises they'd heard Dimitri sing each morning. The jailers released their hold on him and stepped back. Who are you? I'm the son of the living God, and Jesus is his name. Demetrius was taken back to his cell. Sometime later, he was released and returned to his family. You know which part got me? 1,500 prisoners. So you and I live our lives, and with this, I'm going to close. We've got this powerful hope within us, and we never know who needs to see that powerful hope. We never know which one of our loved ones or which one of the people that we work with or the people that we live across the street from just need to see and hear and be a part of singing praises to God. And it comes back to my original question in my message, are you you with God or are you not? It's an all or nothing. Let's pray. Lord, our our hearts are just uh, filled with your presence and your glory this morning. We know that you're powerful, and we know that you have great things you want to do in us and through us. And sometimes, God, we're just humans, and we just struggle, and we get discouraged, and we doubt. And we try, and we give up, and we get sidetracked, and we, we connect with other people we shouldn't, or other thoughts, or even teaching that's not right in our lives. And we forget that, that there's this opportunity to just be such a light for you as we have that powerful prayer that you give us to connect with you. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would impress upon us as we finish this service the way you want us to stand strong with that unshakable hope, knowing we bear your image and that our prayers are powerful in your name and to see this world upside down for you. Thanks, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Just stand with me before we head out this morning. Prayer is powerful. Let's just create an altar right now where we are. An altar is just a place of prayer. As we, before we go, consider what we've heard and just pour out our hearts to the Lord this morning. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink? Well, Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought away. The precious love.
morning as we close, if you just bow your heads with me real quick, I want to give you a chance just to, to proclaim to God your intention to just be based on his unshakable hope. Some of you don't know him in a personal way and love to have you find us. Forgive your sins. He'll come into your heart and life. He'll change you. He'll give you access to that. Some of you today just need a reminder to kind of step out of this uh, rut you're living in and this little wallowing need to take place. Just this morning, if you say, you know what, John, would you pray for me that I just want to, want again to just be experiencing those powerful prayers for the people that I love and for, for me. Would you just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me. Yes. Yes. Holy Spirit, you have uh, put this time together. You brought us here. You're speaking to us. Help us to be people of action as we walk out the door. Lord, this week specifically, would you just reveal yourself to us as we seek your will lives of those we love and in the things we're doing and as we pray we see your power work. thanks father it's in your name we pray amen you're dismissed
on my pack. Yeah? Sorry. Yeah, I think it's fine. Okay. If you didn't notice it, jumping in and out. Yeah, I didn't notice it jumping in and out. 